Hey folks, Andy Patton here to discuss the first few games of the WCC tournament as well as the WCC awards and national awards our Zags are in the running for. And finally, a few pro Zag updates to end the week. All right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to take you through another March Madness with the Gonzaga basketball team. I want to thank all of you who make this podcast your first listen of the day. And for those of you who have checked out the show on YouTube, extremely fun week of YouTube shows with three great guests. Definitely go check it out. If you haven't yet, the YouTube shows are a little bit different than the shows on the podcast. So if you want to hear a few extra things on those YouTube shows, definitely go check it out. Hit that subscribe button. Trying to get to 500 subscribers before the Zags cut those nets down in March. We are well on our way, but could use some extra help as well. All right, so the WCC tournament has started at the infamous Orleans Arena in Las Vegas. The Zags do not play until Monday. Lots and lots of games to happen. Before then, I was speaking with Brenna Green of KREM on Wednesday's show about how every year people get so surprised by how the WCC tournament is set up and so many games happen before Gonzaga even has to play a game. It's not that unusual from other tournaments. Pac-12 looks very similar than that. It just gets a lot of attention because Gonzaga and their tournament (laughs) tends to get a lot of attention because of the conference play in general. Uh, The first games happened on both the men's and the women's side on Thursday evening. Number nine seeded Pacific took on number eight seeded LMU. On the men's side, LMU won that game quite handily. In fact, they won 86 to 66 to end Pacific season. It was not a great year for the Tigers, unfortunately. LMU, 20 point victory. Joe Quintana went off. A player that didn't get talked about a ton this year, a really nice piece for a disappointing LMU team. He had 31 points. He made eight threes. That is incredible. One off of what would be Gonzaga's record that Corey Kispert tied recently. Dan Dickow, Kevin Pangos have also done that. Kudos to Joe Quintana for an excellent game to keep LMU in the running. Eli Scott also chipped in 20 points with eight rebounds and three assists. The way that this works on this side of the schedule next, the winner of this game, in this case LMU, will play BYU on Friday, the winner of that game will play the University of San Francisco Dons on Saturday, and the winner of that game is who Gonzaga will play on Monday. So more than likely, with no disrespect to LMU, the Zags will be playing one of San Francisco or BYU. The BYU-San Francisco games have been a blast this season. It should be a tight matchup. I think San Francisco is the better team. Certainly they're a better seeded team, but it is very, very close. BYU did win when they played the, played each other in the conference play, so it should be a really, really tight game. Obviously, I would love to see San Francisco. It would be great to see them, even if they play Gonzaga on Monday. If the Zags win, I think 
San Francisco beating BYU is probably enough for them to cement a spot in the NCAA tournament. Right now, they are generally considered in the field of 68. They are not really on the last four in, first four out lines. BYU is typically considered one of the last four out. Oregon probably hurt themselves very significantly by using to, losing to UW on Thursday evening. That could potentially open up a spot for BYU, but I think they would have to beat San Francisco and maybe at least keep things close with Gonzaga on Monday if they want a chance to be in the NCAA tournament. Regardless, they're going to play LMU on Saturday. That is very obviously a must-win game for the Cougars if they want to have any chance of playing in the NCAA tournament. On the other side of the bracket, number seven seeded San Diego took on number 10 Pepperdine. It was a close game all the way throughout. I'm not surprised by that. USD is a good team, but Pepperdine, especially now that they are healthy and their freshmen have had more time to play together, they are a dangerous team as well. San Diego ended up winning 74-68 to behind Joey Calcaterra, who dropped 20 points. Marcellus Erlington also had 13 points and 13 rebounds as well. The winner of this game, in this case San Diego, will play number six seeded Portland on Friday. Incidentally, I cannot remember the last time that Portland was not in the first round of games happening in the WCC tournament. Shout out once again to Shantae Leggins on the job that he did on the bluff for the Pilots this year. They didn't have to play on Thursday. They waited until Friday. Now they get a chance to win a game in Las Vegas against the Toreros. The winner of that game will play Santa Clara on Saturday. And then, of course, the winner of the Santa Clara and either San Diego or Portland game, whoever wins that will play St. Mary's on Monday in the semifinals of the WCC tournament. Going to be a fun fun route on both sides, obviously. You know, on the on the other side, the only team that really has tournament aspirations there is St. Mary's. They are almost certainly going to make it, even if they do not beat Santa Clara on Monday. If Santa Clara beats them in that game, I think there's still a chance that well, I think there's I think there's a good chance St. Mary's still makes it. I think that a loss there would hurt, but the win over Gonzaga really helped. I mean, this is a top twenty-five team. If they lose to Santa Clara, who is you know, not a field of 68 team, but a good, decent team. I think that still keeps St. Mary's in the mix. Obviously, Santa Clara winning and going to the championship game and then losing to Gonzaga would at least give Santa Clara a a chance. I think you'd have to put them in the conversation. If they beat St. Mary's and they play a, a decent game against Gonzaga, if Gonzaga blows them out badly in the championship game, then, yeah, that's probably going to be it for the Broncos. But if they keep it close, they play a 10-ish a point game, you know, maybe make it come down to free throws at the end for the Zags, I think you at least have to have a conversation about Santa Clara. I still don't think that they would make it unless a lot of the rest of the bubble teams really collapse and there are no bid stealers around the rest of the conference. But I feel like the Mountain West might have a bid stealer. I think there are some other conferences, certainly, that could end up having some bid stealers as well. So that's going to make it a little bit tougher for Santa Clara to be in that field. Certainly if they lose to St. Mary's, which is kind of the expectation of what will happen. Or obviously if they lose to Portland or San Diego, that's curtains for their chances as well. A lot of intrigue on the men's side of the WCC tournament, more than I can ever remember there being in particular. That BYU-San Francisco game on Saturday, if that is what ends up happening, is going to be a really interesting game. One of the most tournament focused games in the semifinals of the WCC tournament that I can ever remember. Should be a really, really fun one. I'm excited to check that one out. 
On the women's side, it is set up very similarly. Gonzaga is not the number one seed. They are the number two seed, which still means they do not have to play a game until Monday. The way that the bracket works on this side, number seven seeded Santa Clara played number 10 seeded Pacific on Thursday night. The Broncos of Santa Clara won quite handily, 93-69 to in that game. That means they will take on number six seeded USD, the Toreros on Friday evening. Winner of that game will play the number three seeded Dons of San Francisco. And then the winner of that game is who Gonzaga will face on Monday. The Zags had an incredible season this year. They should be squarely within the NCAA tournament at large conversation, regardless of whether they defeat BYU in the championship game. They have to get there first. Obviously, they did not lose any games in conference play outside of to BYU, as I, I believe that is true anyway. <laughs> Last time I checked the schedule, that was true. Uh, so if they can do that, get to the national championship game, or excuse me, get to the WCC championship game at least, that should get them into the NCAA tournament. All right. That is enough on the WCC tournament so far. Tons more coverage throughout the weekend and, of course, into next week when the Zags are starting to play. However, for now, we're going to transition. We're going to talk about the WCC awards that came out, as well as a lot of the finalist lists for some of the major NCAA awards that have a lot of our Gonzaga Bulldogs on those lists. We're going to talk about that in the second segment. Before we do that, though, let's talk about today's sponsor, Run Your Pool. March Madness is only two weeks away. That means you need to start thinking now about when you're going to be running your brackets this year. Are you going for your usual or are you going for the best? We've done our homework here and we're running brackets with runyourpool.com. Along with standard brackets, Run Your Pool offers game types like Survivor or Pick X. They have options to edit scoring and they offer more intel to make your picks. All stuff you won't find at ESPN or CBS. If you've got a business, Run Your Pool can help take some of that madness magic and play alongside your employees or even gain customers. Plus, they offer full customer support, custom branding, and one of the easiest three-minute setups you'll ever find. Clearly, we believe Run Your Pool because, like I said, we're running our brackets there ourselves. There's no truer test than that. If you want to play against us for a shot at a cash prize, join us at runyourpool.com slash locked on. And while you're there, create your own pool for your friends and family. Enter Peer Madness at checkout for $10 off your custom pool. All the rules and details will be available there. That's runyourpool.com slash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize. We look forward to seeing you there. Today's episode is also brought to you by Built Bar. This is the time of the year that I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. In fact, all Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. They have mint brownie, coconut, and coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right. 
segment two, still Andy Patton, still Locked On Zags. Thanks again to those of you who have made Locked On Zags your first listen every day. Make sure to check out the Locked On Bracket breakdown on March 14th right here on the Locked On Zags podcast feed and YouTube channel. College basketball expert Chris Gordy, myself, and betting expert Lee Sterling are there to give you in-depth breakdowns on every matchup in the NCAA tournament. All right, I want to talk now about some of the WCC awards and some of the national awards. This is the awards season. We've seen who's won WCC Player of the Year award, and we're seeing the favorites or the five finalists for a lot of the positional awards that come out every year for the NCAA. We'll start with Chet Holmgren. Chet Holmgren was named a Carl Malone Award finalist. That is the award for the best power forward in the NCAA. It is a stacked, stacked group this year. Chet Holmgren is on that list alongside Auburn's Jabari Smith, Paulo Bancaro from Duke, Keegan Murray from Iowa, and EJ Liddell from Ohio State. Basically a group of lottery picks and National Player of the Year contenders. A really, really stacked group. Chet Holmgren absolutely deserves to be a part of that conversation. I think he's more of a center traditionally. He plays you know, underneath the basket defensively. He's a rim protector. At the next level, he's likely going to play more of a center role depending on what team he ends up on. But he's very clearly the power forward on this team because of Drew Timmy and his role as the starting center. So it makes sense that, that Holmgren is in this conversation for the Carl Malone Award. Chet Holmgren was also named the WCC Defensive Player of the Year and the WCC Newcomer of the Year. I don't think the conference likes to give the same award or give two different awards to the same player, but there was really a, it would have been pretty difficult to not give Chet both of these awards. He was so clearly the best defensive player in the conference and so clearly the best newcomer in the conference. This is with no disrespect to some very talented newcomers in the conference, like Tyler Robertson from the University of Portland, who I, I picked as my my winner for this award when I did my WCC awards, but that was only because I was trying not to give every single award to Chet Holmgren. Uh, obviously, it's impossible to not think that Chet was a better player than Tyler Robertson and a better defensive player than everybody in the conference, so of course he walks home with these two awards. Chet is also, we're not done with Chet yet, he is also a finalist for the Defensive Player of the Year Award in the country, the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year Award. He's a semifinalist. There's a large group of players in that list, a couple that stood out to me outside of, of course, Chet. Mark Williams from Duke, who had a great game against the Zags back in November. Christian Coloco from Arizona, an outstanding shot blocker, very, very good defensive player. Of course, Walker Kessler from Auburn, who's one of the best, if not the best shot blocker in the country, a huge part of Auburn's success this season. And Terry Eason from LMU, who I just don't think gets a lot of love nationally, but is a really, really talented player on both ends of the floor. I think your winner's probably going to come out of that group right there. Chet is very much in the, in the running for that award as well. Andrew Nemhard is a Bob Cousy Award finalist. We like these positional awards because the Zags usually have a handful of guys on there. Uh, the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Award finalist list is probably going to come out. By the time you're listening to this show, I expect Drew Timmy to be on there as well, But that would, which would put three Zags, Timmy, Nemhard, and Chet all in those conversations. We'll go with Nemhard first. Nemhard, again, Bob Cousy Award finalist, best point guard in the country. The rest of the list, James Akinjo from Baylor, Severe Wheeler, excuse me, Severe Wheeler from Kentucky, Tiger Campbell from UCLA, and Colin Gillespie 
from Villanova. I think Nembhard very squarely is a part of this conversation. Gillespie is getting a lot of love. He, he's a little bit less of a traditional point guard. I don't know how much they consider traditional point guard st stats uh, when looking at these. Uh, Gillespie is a great scorer, not a great facilitator. Nembhard obviously is more, plays more of that facilitating role. So does Tiger Campbell. So I'm not exactly sure how they're judging that stuff, but it's hard to not think Nembhard is the best or one of the best point guards in the entire country, especially when he leads one of the best offenses in the entire country and has been very, very good at taking care of the basketball recently. And then, of course, Drew Timmy, like I said, likely a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Award finalist. For now, we do know that he is the WCC Player of the Year. Not a surprise there. They often give that award award to one of the older, more veteran players on Gonzaga's roster. That seems to be kind of a common theme with Corey Kispert winning it last year. Timmy averaged 18.5 points and 6.4 rebounds in conference play. A slightly lower numbers than he put up last year, so not quite as productive. Obviously, we saw him have some a couple of, of stinkers later in the conference season. He did struggled against St. Mary's. He struggled against San Francisco. Uh, but all in all, obviously, 18-6 and six is nothing to shake your head at. The Zags rolled all the way through the WCC until the final game of the season, thanks mostly to the work of Drew Timmy, so he is more than deserving of this award. Timmy Nemhart and Chet Holmgren were all first-team All-WCC players. Not a surprise there. The rest of the list includes Jamari Bouye from San Francisco, Jalen Williams from Santa Clara, Alex Barcelo from BYU, Tommy Cousy from St. Mary's, Matthias Toss also from St. Mary's, Yuhen Masalski from the San Francisco Dons, and Yusip Frankich from Santa Clara. That is your list of first-team All-WCC. I think it's a pretty reasonable list, 10 players deep. Uh, the second team did not include either of Julian Strother or Rasir Bolton. They were both listed as honorable mentions. That, to me, is wrong. I do not know how you cannot put, certainly, Strother on the all-WCC second team. The players who made it ahead of them include Logan Johnson and Alex Dukas from St. Mary's. Strother and Bolton, frankly, were better than both of them. They were probably both better than Khalil Shabazz, although I think Khalil Shabazz is more deserving of a second team spot than either Logan Johnson or Dukas as well. Uh, it's just wrong. These guys have incredibly high offensive ratings. Some of the most efficient players offensively on this team. Both of them are good defensive players. Bolton carried them to many victories this year. He dropped 20 against Pacific. He's the only reason they were remotely in the game against St. Mary's in the second half on Saturday. These guys deserve more than just honorable mentions. I think the Zag people get tired of the Zags. They don't think that every single starter, every single rotation player should be getting awards, and so they bump them a little bit. Uh, there was a lot of talented players in the WCC this year. There are some years where Strother and Bolton would be light years ahead of the other 15 best players in the conference. This year, I still think they were better and I still think they deserve to be on the second team, but there were a lot of good players who deserve to be on the second team, which is a good thing. We want the WCC to be getting better. We want this to be more challenging to make those picks. It's still a bummer that two players for Gonzaga were honorable mentions when they deserved better. Beyond that, the last awards, Chet Holmgren and Nolan Hickman were both named to the WCC All-Freshman team. No Hunter Salas for this one. I was a little surprised to see that, especially because of his late-season push. It's possible that voting happened at a time when people were kind of not remembering his, his late-season push. Uh, certainly, statistically, he, he doesn't pop off the page because a lot of what he does is not necessarily stuff that shows up on the box score. He's a very aggressive defensive player, uh, gets a lot of pressures on defensive players, uh, forces a lot of bad passes and turnovers that way. But again, that's stuff that doesn't really show up in the box score. Uh, Holmgren and 
Hickman were joined by Maxwell Lewis, Mike Mitchell, Houston Millette, all from the University of Pepperdine, uh, Fusuni Traore from BYU, and Wayne McKinley from San Diego was the rest of your all-freshman team. Salas, better player than most of those guys with no disrespect to any of them. He will be taking home some hardware next season if he comes back to join the Zacks. All right, heading into the third segment. Zags, of course, are not playing until Monday. So instead of previewing the rest of the games in the WCC, we're going to take some time to update everybody on some former Zags. We haven't done a former Zags segment in a while. Uh, lots of people we could talk about. We only picked a few because we don't have that much time. Hopefully we get more into some, some pro Zag stuff as the weeks go on. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Bet Online. There might be less football being played, but BetOnline.net has way more stuff to bet on this playoff season. From scores, totals, and player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And it's not just football. BetOnline.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games. All right, segment three, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags. And we're closing out the week, a really fun first week in the month of March. We're closing it out talking pro Zags or specifically talking former Zags because the first person that I want to talk about that I want to highlight here is Brock Reve. For those of you who have been listeners to this show well before it was locked on Zags, when I was hosting Score Zags Score back in 2019, you may remember that I still did Mailbag Monday segments and it felt like every week somebody new was asking me for an update on Brock Reve. For those who are newer to the program who do not remember this storyline, Reve was a the all-time leading scorer in the state of Washington. He went to Kitty Toss High School. He was an elite player, came to Gonzaga as a recruit, was going to be a part of that guard rotation on that team with Ryan Woolridge and Admon Gilder. Instead, he won the three-point shootout at Craziness in the Kennel. Everybody was hyped about him as an incoming freshman. And then he decided not to play. And there was no update. There was no, he was removed from the roster. We didn't hear anything. And that was it. And a lot of people were justifiably asking for Mailbag Monday, do you have an update on Brock Reve? And I continue to promise, if I ever get one, I promise I will say it. Well, it took a long time, but we got one. Joe McHale, who works at SWX in Spokane, got a chance to speak to Brock Reve. Reve is an assistant coach in his first season at Columbia Burbank High School. He, it was a 14-second interview. It's very hard to glean a lot of information from 14 seconds posted on a Twitter video, but it sure seems like he is much happier. He did not get into why he stopped playing basketball. Joe said that he asked him and that Brock said he was not ready to talk about it. Totally understandable. Uh, he was you know, just being asked a question while being an assistant coach at a basketball tournament. Uh, I can understand not wanting to dive all the way into that topic just yet. He seems happier. He said he still wanted to be around the game. He said he misses basketball. He specifically said, I don't really miss playing, but I miss being around basketball, being around teams, being around coaches. So getting into coaching seems like a very logical decision for him. I'm super thrilled for him. I don't know or particularly care if we ever get a full resolution to what happened. He didn't want to play there for whatever reason, whether it was pressure, whether it was 
I don't know. I don't want to speculate. I don't. I don't. It doesn't matter to me. If he's happy now, that's fantastic. The Zags survived without him. They had a had a great team that year. They obviously have continued to develop elite level guard talent on this roster. Ravey may have been a great piece for this team. Doesn't matter. He's happy now. It seems like he's found a job as an assistant coach. I'm really happy that we got an update on this and that we know that he's okay. <laughs> that he's in a better mental space uh, and that he's doing something that he loves. All right, a couple NBA Zag. Uh, before we get into the NBA Zag updates, another update uh, on Kevin Pangos because this has been kind of a, a unique story. Uh, Kevin Pangos was released by the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, over about a month ago or so, uh, and then he signed a deal with CSKA Moscow, a team in Russia. And there was some consternation among the Gonzaga fan base and among Kevin Pangos fans of, is he going to go? Is he there? Is it safe? Uh, obviously, Moscow, Russia, not a safe place to be right now. Uh, and it sounds like the recent update is no, he's not there. He did not report to the team. I do not know whether his contract has been voided or not. Uh, I, I, my understanding, according to an article written by Jim Meehan at the Spokesman Review, is that he is still in the United States and he is still free to sign with any team. So he must have voided his contract in Russia. Uh, did not report. There was multiple players who either did not report to Russia or who left the team after their their country's attacks on Ukraine. So Kevin's safe. He's in the United States. I don't know how actively he's looking for another job. I don't know if he's looking at other EuroLeague teams, if he's planning to try to stay around here and maybe play on a G League team, if he's hoping an NBA team will give him a contract. I don't know what the situation is. He was not available for comment for this article. Uh, that Jim Meehan wrote at the Spokesman. So uh, when we get an update on him, we'll definitely post it. I'm very curious to see where he ends up. Uh, I'm, I'm, and I'm more than anything, I'm just glad he's not in Russia. All right, a couple NBA updates. Uh, Jalen Suggs has been very, very good lately for the Orlando Magic. He's healthy. He's coming off the injury that cost him about six weeks of action. He had 20 points, 10 assists against the Phoenix Suns, a really nice team to have a great game against. Uh, over his last 11 games, he's averaging 13 points, 5.5 assists, 3.5 rebounds, and 1.5 steals per game, lighting up the stat sheet as we expect him to do, but also the, sh the struggles with the shot are still there. He's only shooting 38% from the field and 15% from three over those last 11 games. Uh, the shooting slump will, will eventually correct itself, for Jalen Suggs, and when it does, he's going to be an absolute monster. He's still throwing down highlight reel dunks. He's stealing the ball and bouncing the ball off the backboard to dunk in games. We saw him do that a few weeks ago. He's having an absolute blast in his first NBA season, and once those shots start falling a little bit more consistently, look out. Corey Kispert is an NBA starter. He has taken over a starting role for the Washington Wizards. Great news for a guy who was barely in the rotation to begin the season. Washington has obviously made some moves uh, and had some injuries, which has helped clear up some more space for him. His last eight games, which is when he's been a starter, he's averaging 11 points, four rebounds, two and a half assists per game, shooting 40% from the field, so still not super efficient, only 33% from three in those games, but he's been kind of up and down with his outside shot, somewhat similar to Suggs. I think once Corey establishes that he can be a pretty consistent 37-38% three-point shooter, he's going to be a very, very good rotation player in the NBA. And right now he's a starter, which is fantastic news for him. It's been great to see him kind of come out of his, his early season struggles uh, and lack of playing time and really establish himself as a, as a consistent NBA regular. And then speaking of the Washington Wizards, Rui has been awesome lately. In particular, he just cannot miss from three. This was a big 
problem with his game early in his career. He was not an outside shooter. He was not an outside shooter at Gonzaga. He was not an outside shooter in his first two NBA seasons. He is 15 for his last 20 from three. 75% from three in his last 20 attempts. He's shooting 52% on the year. Obviously, that's only in 21 games because he missed the first half of the season with some mental health concerns that, that made him choose to opt out of the first part of the season. He's back. He seems happy. He seems healthy mentally and physically. And he is crushing it from beyond the arc. 52% on the season. Again, not a huge sample, but also not a tiny sample either. It's not like he's two for four. He's, he's hitting his threes at a consistent rate, 15 for his last 20. Uh, Bradley Beal was asked about him and basically just said, yeah, keep shooting, Rui. Keep doing it. Uh, you got to imagine the team is pumped to see him back and healthy and knocking down his shots the way that he has. All right, last update for you all before we call it a week. Charles Barkley, noted Auburn alumni Charles Barkley, called Brandon Clark the most underrated player in the league on an NBA on TNT segment on Thursday evening. That is incredibly high praise from Chuck, who has loved Brandon Clark for a while. He loves this Memphis Grizzlies team. I do not blame him. Brandon Clark has been excellent this season. They finally figured out what to do with him in this role. He's coming off the bench. He's wreaking havoc. He's an incredible rim runner, a great defensive player, a super high energy guy. He's averaging about 10 and 5 coming off the bench. He's shooting 64.5% from the field, which is just ridiculous that he's been able to carry over the high level of efficiency that he put up in college at San, San Jose State and then at Gonzaga, where he wasn't playing NBA level competition most of the time. He obviously had good games against teams like Tennessee and teams like Duke who have NBA players. And then he goes into the NBA and he's just as efficient. He's still scoring over 60% of the time. He's 65% field goal percentage in the NBA with a consistent role is phenomenal. Absolutely outstanding. Part of the reason for that is in his first two NBA seasons, he attempted more than one three-pointer per game. This year, he's attempting a half a three per game. That's probably contributing. He just was never an outside shooter. Memphis tried to turn him into something that he's not. We see a lot of Gonzaga big men get into the NBA and, and, and start being asked to do something that they're not comfortable doing. DeMontis Sabonis was a big example of that. Brandon Clark, even Rui, was an example of that. Rui, thankfully, has started to figure out that outside shot. Not sure Clark ever will, but if they use him in a different role where he's just getting a lot of boards, running to the rim, not taking a lot of inefficient shots, he's going to be an outstanding, efficient, high-level, and yes, underrated player in the NBA. So kudos to Chuck for calling that out and noticing it. All right, that is going to do it for me today and for this week. Happy WCC tournament. Kudos and shout outs to anybody who is out in Las Vegas at those games. I am not going to be there. I hope to be at the first round games in Portland, though. So if you're going to those games, let me know. I will obviously preview the championship games next week. All right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube as well. Thank you to those of you who have made Locked On Zags your first listen every day. Now is a great time to make your second listen, the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.